Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, we're going to explore the healing properties of selenite, a crystal for cleansing and purification. Obviously, selenite, a very popular crystal, but one of the things I want to address in this episode is this kind of new myth I've seen floating around on social media that largely what we see online for sale in the world uh, in terms of selenite is fake. So there's all these posts about fake selenite, fake this, fake that. So we're going to tackle this a little bit today because it has largely become a pet peeve of mine seeing what I think is a little bit of misinformation about selenite. So I'll clear that up and we'll also discuss some of the healing properties. But before we get started, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. So remember, you can submit your own questions anytime at loveandlightschool.com slash ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's question comes from Yuna, and Yuna says, Hi Ashley, I discovered crystals recently, and every day I'm learning something new about them. The other day, I read that you should not wear more than three crystals on your person because this can cause crystal chaos. I have a mala bracelet that's made of 10 different crystal beads for the purpose of nervous tension relief. Am I creating crystal chaos when I wear this bracelet? What are your thoughts? Thanks so much, Yuna. So Yuna, this is such an awesome question, and this is actually something we go through in detail in my crystal healing certification program, which is opening up for enrollment very soon. So if you're interested in learning more about my CCH program, you can go to crystalhealerschool.com for all the details. But the long and short of it is this. I would generally tend to agree that you can kind of overwhelm your energy body if you have way too many crystals going on at once, but there are a few things to take into consideration here. So first, I think to arbitrarily limit the number of crystals to three doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot of times people choose the number three because it's a very powerful number. It's a very magical number. You see it used... Um, in history and folklore and magic a lot because it has a lot of deep kind of archetypal connections to it. But I think that for many of us, we can work with more crystals than that at once and not be totally overwhelmed, particularly with something like a crystal layout or even just having that many crystals in our space or wearing a few different pieces of jewelry. I quite frequently have more than three crystals just in my rings alone, let alone the crystals that are in my pockets or stuffed into my bra or that I'm wearing for earrings or bracelet or necklace. But it's really up to you and how you feel about this. So I feel like as long as you can keep clear the intention for why you're working with those different stones, then of course you can work with more than three. If you start to feel a little overwhelmed, you might need to cut back on it a little bit. It's going to be a really individual thing. 
However, I wouldn't recommend that you just load your pockets every day with 20 or 30 different stones for all different reasons because that's kind of more than we can really keep straight in our head. So you have to really be working with your crystals with intention in order to get the benefit from them. So I think three is probably good advice, maybe for someone who's new to crystals, who's just learning about their properties and how they work with you. Now, in regard to your specific question, this is one of my exceptions to the rule. So you said you have a mala bracelet that's made of 10 different crystal beads, and this would go for any piece of jewelry that's made of, you know, quite a few different crystals. If you're working with that piece for one specific reason. So in this case, you might not be having different, you know, specific intentions for each of those 10 kinds of crystal beads in this wrist mala. You instead have this one piece of jewelry that's working for this purpose. And just because it's made up of multiple different crystals that all kind of have their own contribution toward that overall purpose, I don't think that that's the same as kind of loading your pockets full of 20 or 30 different kinds of stones. So in something like a piece of jewelry, especially that you've crafted or that someone has crafted for you for a specific purpose or intention, I feel like that's really working as one unit, similar to a crystal grid. So here, I think it's totally fine to have lots of different kinds of crystals going on and wear that bracelet along with your other crystals that you'd normally work with. And, you know, anytime, you know, you see a rule about crystals online or in a book or something like that, that feels really restrictive like that, I would just call it into question because I think we're each unique individuals. We each have our own personal experience. We have our own ways of working with stones and there really are no rights and wrongs to this work. There's just what's right or wrong for you. So when you read something that feels like it's telling you exactly what to do and how it is, I would always question those kinds of pieces of advice. Um, But I really think here it's, you know, much open to your personal experience, what you feel comfortable with. And I do think that there's this sort of exception to this advice where if you have many different crystals working in one piece of jewelry for one purpose, it's kind of the exception to the rule. So Yuna, thank you so much for your question today. I really appreciate it. And I hope that that was helpful for you. So remember, if you have a question that you'd like me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, heart-centered business, or anything else that you're curious about right now, let me know over at loveandlightschool.com ask. The Crystal Healing Certification Program is coming soon. Want to know more? For info, free training, and to get on the list, go to crystalhealerschool.com. And now it's time for us to dive into our main topic for today, the healing properties of selenite. So I mentioned earlier on in this episode, this is typically considered a crystal primarily for cleansing and purification. Selenite has, you know, this uh, long connection, at least in the modern crystal movement with cleansing and purification, because it has that like bright white color. It's shiny. It like, it's a, it's a kind of a carrier for light, right? So as you know, I always like to start these healing properties episodes with a little affirmation that you can use along with the crystal. So here's what came through for selenite. 
I am energy manifested in the physical realm. I embody peace and clarity in all I do. So let's talk a little bit about the healing properties of selenite, some of the basics, and then I want to get into this topic I mentioned earlier on in the show about kind of a miscommunication uh, or misrepresentation of fake selenite. So first, let's dig into selenite a little bit. It can be used for purification, particularly it's great for cleansing the chakras and the aura, Um, and I'll actually go through a really quick exercise that you can do with your selenite for clearing the aura in just a bit. It enriches the dream state, helps you receive intuitive messages in your dreams, so you may want to keep some selenite on your bedside table, tuck a small selenite tumbled stone into your pillowcase if you're looking for some guidance in your dreams. It also helps with spiritual growth. It's this really kind of high energy crystal that helps you kind of see your own patterns, your own shadow side and work through them. It can enhance a connection between your conscious mind and your higher self um, or between your conscious mind and your intuition. So it kind of creates a bridge or a connection point between those two. And it helps those who are doing healing work to really channel universal energy. So, so frequently in crystal healing, um, along with many other types of energy healing, I think the best example of this is probably in Reiki healing. Um, It's not just about the tools that we're using. It's about actually moving universal energy into the client. And so often in crystal healing, A healer may place a crystal layout, create a crystal grid, something like that, and then actually visualize pulling universal energy in through the crown chakra or top of the head, moving it down the body and out through the palms of the hands into the crystals themselves or into the client. So they're not giving their own energy, but they're moving universal energy um, which, you know, in different cultures has different names. So chi or prana can be moved into the body. And selenite is thought to facilitate this process, especially because of its crystal system. It has these long uh, striations, these long kind of grooves in the surface of the stone. And this kind of relates to this topic of fake selenite we're going to talk about in just a minute. But because of that structure and because of the optic qualities of selenite, it's great for helping you move energy between two places, between a universal source and a client, between two chakra centers. It it just works really well for that. It can also promote a good night's sleep. So another reason to have it in the bedroom, either on the bedside table or in your pillowcase, again, just working with intention to direct what you're most hoping to get from working with that stone. It helps you work through past life issues. So if you ascribe to the idea of past lives, to the belief in past lives, um, and you feel that there is something from a past life that's affecting you in this lifetime, you can work with selenite to help you overcome those issues. But if you don't ascribe to that belief, then you can also think of this in terms of overcoming traumas that happened to you previously in this lifetime, Uh, working through past hurts that you've had, um, helping you heal past versions of yourself. 
It's also a stone that encourages new friendships and promotes love and empathy. It's a great crystal to work with to help clear your mind before meditation or any type of spiritual work, ritual, or ceremony. And because of this ability to kind of clear your mind and bring you into the present moment, it's really excellent for promoting peace and harmony. Now, selenite is also named for the moon goddess Selene, which we'll discuss that connection a little bit later. But because of that, selenite has this great connection to the moon, probably because it's shining and white, just like the surface of the moon when it's being reflective of the sun's light. Selenite also enhances your self-confidence and it's frequently used to cleanse and charge other crystals, especially in the form of selenite plates or bowls. I'm sure that you've seen these. Um, They're often called like charging plates or charging bowls or a selenite offering bowl, but they're primarily actually used for cleansing, um, not as much the charging. They can be. Uh, And this is another thing we covered super in depth in my crystal healing certification program. This kind of relationship that exists between cleansing and charging your crystals. Now, finally, because of its association with cleansing and purification, selenite can be used to clear spaces of energetic debris, your excess energy, as well as your own auric field or your crystals. You can use it for space clearing as well. And finally, it can be added to a crystal grid for protection of a space. Um, This could be a single room, it could be your home or your apartment, and I do have a blog post all about this over at loveandlightschool.com, and there's even a little diagram that shows you how to use a combination of selenite and black tourmaline to grid your space for cleansing and protection. So selenite is this beautiful, clear to shiny, brilliant white stone. Now, this is where some of this controversy comes in over the fake selenite. So I've been seeing tons and tons and tons of posts, especially on social media, a few times on websites, but largely on social media, about how most of the selenite we see on the market is fake. It's not real selenite. And this has been becoming a really big pet peeve of mine. So I want to explain this a little bit because on the one hand, although that's technically accurate, I think it's really, really misleading too. So I want to explain this and kind of clear some things up. So the selenite that we're all familiar with, the kind of whitish striated material that mostly comes from Morocco, you see it in palm stones or blades or wands or little towers. This is a variety of gypsum. So we call it selenite, um, but selenite is technically, technically, truthfully, the name applied to the clear or transparent variety of gypsum, which uh, commonly comes from Mexico. Um, It can come from other places, but some of the nicest, uh, most widely available material comes from Mexico. And then the white striated version of gypsum is referred to as satin spar. So I've seen all these posts that say, this isn't real selenite. This is satin spar. It's fake selenite. Here's the thing. Although, yes, that's technically true, we would use the the name selenite to refer to the clear variety and satin spar to refer to the white striated variety. They're both forms of gypsum. They have the same chemical composition. 
It's just the way that they formed is a little bit different. One is a massive variety and one is a crystalline variety, but they're the same stone, right? It would be like the difference between a rough chunk of rose quartz, which we would call massive, and what's commonly referred to as elestial rose quartz. The rose quartz that is very rare where crystal terminations actually form on it. They're both rose quartz, they're both the same crystal, they both have the same chemical composition, but the formation is a little bit different. The formation of those crystals is a little bit different. And so that's really what it comes down to with this whole satin spar versus selenite uh, argument that I've seen made online. And so to call satin spar fake selenite, I think is super, super misleading. It just doesn't accurately describe the nature of how and why they're different. Um, and also completely neglects to explain that they're actually the same. So I think it's kind of splitting hairs to call this satin spar or the white variety of gypsum fake selenite. Um, the term selenite has just become so ubiquitous with either variety, the clear or the white, that at this point, although that was once the case, that they had these different names to refer to the different kind of structures, um, at this point, it's, it's just really pointless to kind of split hairs about it. They're the same thing, slightly different structure, same chemical composition, same properties. Um, yeah. Do I think that the Energy feels a little bit different between the two. Sure, just like I feel that it's a little bit different between a rough rose quartz chunk and a crystallized rose quartz. It doesn't change the properties, but it might change the way that we experience or feel the energy a little bit. So I really hope that this helps clear this up because it has really been on my mind for a while. Every time I see one of these posts, I just cringe a little bit because I just think it's um, kind of doing a disservice to give some information, but not really clearly describe the differences between these two. So all that said, getting back to our talk about selenite and its properties, the associated chakras with selenite is typically used more at the crown chakra or seventh chakra, but it can be used anywhere in the energy field. This is a really, um, kind of diverse stone. You can use it in many different ways. It's associated with the zodiac signs of Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces, and it connects with the elements of air and water. I have found a great companion flower for selenite to be a little plant called Snow in Summer, and an excellent companion essential oil to be Orchid. If you're looking for a companion crystal, you heard me mention black tourmaline earlier in the episode, uh, especially for protection. I just find these two balance each other so well, and I love to work with them together. And selenite is commonly found in Morocco, where the satin spar variety of gypsum would come from, or Mexico, where the clear selenite variety would come from. Now let's dig in a little bit more about selenite. It is this kind of pearly white form of gypsum, and gypsum is a hydrated calcium sulfate. It's named for the moon goddess Selene, who is the Greek goddess of the moon, probably because of its beautiful sheen resembling the, the light of the full moon. And 
both the full moon and selenite are associated with purification. Um, so although selenite is kind of colorless, the parallel striations that run along the length of the satin spar variety often give it a whitish appearance. And selenite being a form of gypsum, um, there's this really cool thing. There are white sands in New Mexico, which are made of gypsum, and they're so bright that they can actually be seen from space, which I think is pretty cool. Now, if you're doing any kind of magical workings or rituals, and you want to work with the energy of the moon, um, and say, you know, the moon's not visible because it's cloudy, or you're in a moon phase that, you know, maybe you wanted to do this working with a full moon and we're not currently in that moon phase, you can actually work with a sphere made of selenite to represent the full moon in your magical workings. So that's kind of a fun little witchy tip there. And since selenite has a reputation also as a scrying stone, um, because it helps with intuition and crystal gazing, it fits right in with this use of the selenite spheres, a kind of traditional use uh, for a divination tool, right? Crystal omency scrying. Now, one little known fact is that selenite is actually a natural insulator. So when you hold this crystal and you're working with it, it will often warm up from your own body heat. So I hear, you know, a lot from people when they're explaining their experiences with crystals, they'll say, my crystal got so hot while I was working with it. Why did that happen? Well, some crystals are natural insulators and selenite is one of them. Large thin sheets of selenite were also once used for window panes and smaller sheets were used as eyeglass lenses. Pretty interesting to think about, um, which is also makes me so worried because selenite, if you've ever worked with it, it has this tendency to kind of splinter. Um, and I've definitely been on the wrong end of a selenite splinter in all my years working with crystals, but I would be so, so nervous to put it anywhere near my eyes. So I was really uh, kind of surprised to see that it used to be used in creating eyeglass lenses. Now there's also this really cool thing called the Cave of Crystals in Nayica, Mexico, and it was discovered in the year 2000. It is filled with giant, giant selenite crystals, some of them hundreds of feet tall. You've probably seen photographs of people down there with hard hats on exploring these crystal caves. It's supposed to be super hot down there, um, really hot and humid. And I think for a while we were letting people go down there. And then I believe that they've stopped doing that now because there was damage happening. I meant to research that actually before the episode a little bit further to see if that was like still open, but it was only open to certain people. And I think that they've really tried to limit exposure of people going down there to preserve this cave of crystals, cave of giants. So um, look up the cave of giants or the cave of crystals in Nayica, Mexico, and you can see some amazing photographs and some really cool videos that were taken from inside the cave. Now I mentioned, you know, selenite forms these beautiful wands, sometimes called blades that have this nice long striation in them, but because selenite is a relatively soft mineral, it can be easily carved or etched. Now because it's soft, it can also be damaged by water. So water is not an appropriate method to use for cleansing of your selenite. And you also should not use selenite crystals to create crystal elixirs or moon waters, especially because it's so fragile 
small pieces can come off in little needle-like slivers. So you want to handle it really carefully um, and just make sure that you're not placing it in water. Now, these rough selenite blades are probably the most common and widely available form of selenite on the market today. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, they're actually the satin spar variety of selenite gypsum, and they can be used to remove negativity from your energy field or your aura. So to do this, it's super, super simple. You can usually find these little selenite wands or blades for less than five or six dollars. You want to hold the selenite in your hand, usually your dominant hand or the hand that you write with, um, so that it's horizontal or in other words, parallel to the ground. So horizontal, uh, going you know left to right and parallel with the ground. And then you want to sweep the energy body or the aura with the wand. So start at your head and holding this kind of like a comb, move the wand down towards your feet through your energy field just a few inches away from your physical body while holding the intention to remove any energy that's not for your highest good. And I recommend doing this three times on the front side of the body and three times on the back side of the body. So you can move along the left side of the body, the right side of the body, and then the center and the front, and then repeat this on the back side of the body, doing the left, the right, and the center down the back. Now it can be a little challenging to do this for yourself on the back side of your body, so just do your best. Again, it's going to be you know, primarily facilitated through this intention and the motion of moving the crystal through your aura. Now, because selenite is such an amazing cleansing crystal, it's great for space clearing. So you can keep a piece of selenite in your sacred space to kind of keep working nonstop in the background to keep your space free from any unwanted energy. It will also help kind of call upon any guides that you might work with to assist with protection. And uh, like I mentioned, there's that blog post at loveandlightschool.com about working with selenite and black tourmaline um, to protect your space in kind of a crystal grid. But the way that you place the selenite is just to place one of these long blades along each wall of your sacred space to act like a protective barrier. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one really special form of selenite, which is called angel wing selenite. It's also known as fishtail selenite. And what this is, is actually a twinned gypsum crystal. So this variety seems to be particularly useful in connecting you with your guides or angels. So to work with this crystal to connect with your guides, just hold it during meditation. Now, alternatively, you can place it above or on top of your crown chakra, but most of the time these twinned crystals are a bit large. Um, so it might be difficult to hold it in place that way. So if you've been feeling like it's you know a little challenging to connect with your guides or your angels, it really doesn't have to be difficult. Just make yourself comfortable. Try going into a silent meditation or if meditation feels intimidating to you, then just, you know, take some time for stillness, if that's what you want to call it, and hold the intention to meet or interact with your guides or angels and ask them for guidance or insight, whatever you need. So this is a form of selenite because of its shape, because it has that kind of angel wing shape, it can really enhance this connection and help you receive a little bit of inner guidance or guidance from your angels. Well, that is it for our main topic for today. I hope that you learned a ton about selenite today and that you will think twice next time you see one of those pesky memes on social media about 
fake selenite. Now it's time for our trending this week segment. So as you know, each week I bring you a quick discussion on something that's happening in the world of crystal healing and spirituality right now, or something that I'm just really loving that I want to share. So this week, I want to talk to you a little bit about a special side project I've been working on for my shop, Mimosa Books and Gifts. You can check us out at mimosaspirit.com. And this has been a really fun art project. I've been doing some digital artwork um, on my iPad and in Canva, creating some beautiful seasonal collages. So I'll be sharing these little pieces of artwork over on Instagram. You can find me there at Love and Light School for the eight different holidays of the wheel of the year. So we are coming up on Imbolc, which will be celebrated February 1st. And every time I create one of these really cool pieces of artwork, I made one for the full wheel of the year not too long ago and one with the moon phases. And every time I share these on Instagram, people always ask me, well, where can I buy this? This is so beautiful. I would love this in my space. So these special pieces of art that I made for the eight holidays of the wheel of the year, I decided to turn into some really special altar cloths. So we just got them in at my shop. Again, you can check them out at mimosaspirit.com. And I had such a good time doing this artwork. It was such a treat to really see it kind of come to life and get to touch it and feel it and hold it in these beautiful little altar cloths. And in celebration of Imbolc, we have the Imbolc altar cloths available for sale at mimosaspirit.com. And we even made some special limited quantity ritual kits for the different holidays. So we have Imbolc on February 1st. The next holiday will be at the end of March during the spring equinox. That will be Ostara. And you can see that I've incorporated a lot of different symbolism for each holiday into these altar cloths and into the things that are included in the ritual kits. So um, I'll be talking more about Imbolc next week in next week's podcast episode uh, because that will be the whole topic and I'm really excited to share that with all of you. Um, but in these really fun little ritual kits, I've put together a custom blended incense that I blended in-house at Mimosa. It's all like herbal um, incense, so it's all put together based on natural plant materials and resins. Um, so there's always a custom blended incense. There's always a candle. There's always some crystals for that specific holiday and then something else really fun and special. So if you want to check that out, head over to mimosaspirit.com. And then in the little search bar, you can type in Imbolc. That's I-M-B-O-L-C. You can read a little bit about Imbolc and kind of get a heads up before next week um, when you find the altar cloth and check out the fun little ritual kits. So I'll have one of those for each holiday for the wheel of the year this year to kind of celebrate And uh, you'll also be hearing from me on the podcast and in the blog over at loveandlightschool.com all about these eight very special holidays at the solstices and equinoxes and the cross quarter days. So that is it for today. I hope that you found a lot of value in today's show. If you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com. 
com slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, of course, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe through that link as well. So you never miss a future episode. And if you are not an iTunes user and you still want to subscribe to the podcast, you can just visit loveandlightschool.com slash listen and check out all the places where this podcast is streamed online. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones? To grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Maybe you want to deepen your personal spiritual practice by connecting more deeply to your stones. Or maybe you're already working with crystals, but you want to learn some more advanced energy healing techniques. Wherever you're at on your crystal journey, the Love and Light School's CCH program can help you become the confident and intuitive crystal healer you know you can be. Are you ready to listen to the nudges from the universe and take the next steps on your crystal journey? Our CCH program is here to support you every step of the way. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at loveandlightschool.com.